You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When the Phillies sign what might be one of the top five free agents in all of Major League Baseball today, Pine Tar for Breakfast has to have an emergency podcast, so we're doing an emergency podcast with world champion your very own Brad Lidge. Coming up next here on Pine Tar for Breakfast. What up and welcome to a emergency podcast of Pine Tar for Breakfast. That's right. Your Philadelphia Phillies are in agreement with Zach Wheeler, the 29-year-old. Going to be 30 next year. And he came from the New York Mets. And it's a huge signing. Five years, $118 million, still pending the physical. But I felt like, you know, today, why not? We needed to do it. So why not? Let's bring on the two-time All-Star, your world champion closer of your Philadelphia Phillies. 100 saves with him, Brad Lidge. Brad, what's up, buddy? Frandy, how you doing, buddy? Uh, well, you know, I think uh, think I'm good. I think I'm real good right now. This uh, not as rich as Zach Wheeler, but uh, <laughs> no, five not, years, one eighteen. Right? That's a hell of a deal, and I think a, a, a huge step for the uh, the franchise. Well, no question about it. And I think, you know, listen, pro- probably this is more than most people were thinking Wheeler was going to get uh, maybe a few months ago, but. You know, I mean, something that I think teams are becoming more and more conscious of is that if you're going to have to overpay a little bit for a guy, make sure you do it for a guy who's not like, you know, if you're (laughs) going to give a five-year deal, make sure he's not 32 when you're giving him the five-year deal. And I think because Wheeler is kind of, in, in my opinion, entering the prime of his career now, I think if you're going to do a little bit extra, a little bump up in the in, in the amount of money, then you want to make sure it's a guy that's entering that, and you're going to get the best five years out of him. Like, in my opinion, I, I think it makes total sense, uh, you know, to kind of pursue a guy and, and give him a little bit more if you have to, because I think Wheeler, look, I mean, he hasn't put up the great numbers yet in his career, but I think everyone that knows him and is aware of him knows he's got two things going for him. Obviously, incredible stuff, incredible breaking ball. Uh, you know, the velocity is there. I think he's fifth in all of baseball this past year on average miles per hour per fastball. But also, he's he doesn't have a lot of stress and extra tax on him from the beginning part of his career. He actually had a bunch of injuries. So that's maybe a little bit of a double-edged sword, but I think he's come out of that now. The last two years have been better. Last year, he was finally fully healthy, had a fantastic year, and I think he's about ready to take off. And, and I know a lot of people are, are looking at him and saying, Hey, listen, like, you know, this is the type of thing that, that Garrett Cole did, right? Like when mm-hmm. Garrett Cole was with the Pirates, the stuff was there. Um, and, and obviously he gets traded to the Astros and then they really know how to, you know, kind of take him to that next level. So, you know, maybe there's a little bit of pressure on the Phillies there to, to make sure they continue this uh, upward trajectory of, of Zach Wheeler. But I think it's, uh, it's a huge piece for their rotation and it really takes a lot of pressure off them now, a lot of pressure off the front office when, when you know you've got to get great starting pitching and you're not 100% sure you're going to be able to land Gary Cole or Steven Strasburg, then, then go get the next best guy, and I think that's Wheeler. Yeah, and I, look, I'm all for the guys getting paid like they, they are. But, I mean, if you're going to invest, 
you know, what, 35, probably 36 to maybe 37 million in a, in a starting pitcher, what Garrett Cole and Steven Strasburg are going to do. Like you better get $37 million a year out of them. If, if, if yeah. that makes sense yeah. <laughs> in the whole thing. I mean, look, not every year is going to be the same, but when you're doing that, there's the added pressure, but a guy like Zach Wheeler where yes, it's a lot of coin. It is not something he's going to be hurting for money ever. His family's not going to be, but it's not the same as the 35 to 37 million. This is in the in in the right frame. You look at it with Jake Arrieta making 20 what 20 million this year. I mean, Bryce is only making 26. And it's not yeah. like they're overextending themselves on one guy. They're doing this with a lot of different guys and adding a Wheeler to this rotation now with Aaron Nola, a Jake Arrieta, a Zach Eflin. I mean, it's starting to look a little bit better. Well, it really is. And I think, look, I mean, the minute Girardi walks into that or walked into that clubhouse, I mean, you, you already feel like, okay, we're going to be, you know, and no offense to Cap, because I think he did probably a better job than, than, than a lot of uh, people that aren't around <laughs> Philly know. But, uh, but, you know, I think when Girardi walks in there, you already feel like, hey, we're winning five more games than we did last year just because he's, his presence alone. Um, you know, you bring in Brian Price, and I think he's going to do a great job. And so I think that the Phillies right now, after getting Wheeler, yeah, they – you know, if you're a Phillies fan right now, you should be feeling very good about 2020. I mean, it, it's going to be tough to have as many injuries as you did in 2019. Like that just, you know, the whole bullpen was decimated and obviously Ariette is not in there. So you feel like from that standpoint, and Andrew McCutcheon will be back. I mean, you just feel like there's a lot of things going in the right direction for the Phillies in 2020. And, you know, again, I mean, I, I don't think, you know, the, I, I guess I should say it this way. The other good thing for Zach Wheeler is that I don't think he has to come in and feel that pressure of having to be, a number one from day one. I mean, you already have that guy for yeah. Phillies. It's it's Aaron Nola, and I think he will be closer to 2018 than, than 19 this coming season. Uh, you know, he's still an ace, obviously, but, uh, you know, if you have Wheeler and Nola at the top of the rotation, that takes pressure off of Wheeler to just go in there and settle in because Aaron Nola is that guy that wants to be that guy. I mean, he's, uh, he's not going anywhere. He's going to be great for a long time. And uh, I just think that right now for the Phillies um, – when you bring in Wheeler, the biggest thing it does is it addresses number one, your biggest need, but also this, we're, we're still haven't even got to the winter meetings yet. So yeah. there's still time for the Phillies to do more and they've already got Zach Wheeler under their belt right now. And, and that's, that's a, that's a great place to be. Yeah. It's a breath of fresh air for him. It's not like there's no panic. There's no like, okay, we got this done. The, the, the pressure is, you know, obviously on Zach to perform. That's it. Okay. There's no, you're not going to winter meetings going, who are they going to get? Who are they get? We get, Yes, now they right. can concentrate on building the team, the franchise, and, and continuing to make this thing into a winner because it's not like one move is going to make this thing. It's got to be a multiple uh, you know, amount of moves. So with that, I, you, you mentioned a name in there, and I, I want to talk about him real quick. And I, I don't know if you, you know him personally in Brian Price, the new pitching coach, but, you know, what was it? Burt Hooten was your, your pitching coach when you first came up? <laughs> When I first came up, he was indeed. And nice then, memory there, you know, that a boy. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm pretty good at that stuff. Uh, and then, you you know, you come over to the Phillies and you, you meet a rich Doobie. And, and, and Doobs was awesome and, and everyone loves him, and especially those that are fans of the game, that, uh, of the Phillies. Um, how important to you is a guy like a rich Doobie, like a Brian Price? How much can he change? Uh, maybe – I'm not saying the individual, but the mindset, the culture of the pitching staff. I, I think it, it goes a long ways. And I think if you're the Phillies right now, uh, you know, you're, you, you kind of are in a little bit of a vacuum for that kind of older, uh, more veteran 
more seasoned pitching coach, uh, the way Rich Doobie is, uh, the way that Brian Price is. And that's not to take anything away from CY, who was, who was great and outstanding with the numbers and the analytics. But sometimes you just you want to have that guy with all the experience under their belt that's going to be very honest and upfront with you. Um, and, and I think that, that Brian Price, even though, of course, he understands the analytics and all and everything else, how you know, that's going in 2019 and 20, he, he, he gets that part of it. But he's also a guy that's been around a little bit more and can really kind of create that mentality of, of what he wants to see from his staff as a whole. He'll be able to address each guy individually. Obviously, he's going to have to do uh, his homework with Zach Wheeler to make sure that, A, he's able to keep him healthy, and, B, he's able to keep him uh, – or able to, yeah, kind of keep that upward trajectory that he's had in his career. Uh, but I think having a guy like Price in there is just it, – it'll be huge for the young pitchers to have kind of a veteran guy that can really, you know, look, throw the analytics away for a minute. Just think about what you're doing out there. Like, don't worry about, uh, you know, if, if, if this guy can hit an 0-2 curveball so you don't want to throw, throw your curve, throw your best pitch out there. Just get after it. Like, yeah. don't worry about the analytics. You know, sometimes you just got to wipe, you know, crumple up that paper and wipe your butt with it. Sorry for saying, but no, but like, you it, can it, say it, it just, on here. It's my podcast. My yeah, okay, good. <laughs> I kept it fairly clean. Um, <laughs> But, but, you know, and, and I think that Brian Price will be able to relay that to them. And so I think it's, it'll be very good for, for that staff's mentality. That voice you hear is Brad Lidge, world champion, Philadelphia Philly closer Brad Lidge. Here on Pine Tar for breakfast, you can reach me at, at Kevin Franzen. You can listen to him on MLB Network Radio, Sirius 209. Yeah, I, I mean, you say it. and it's so It's so true because – so many times last year, like, well, why'd you throw? Why, why did he throw that pitch? Why did Aaron Noah throw his curveball more than any pitch on earth last year? And it's because, well, this guy can't hit this curveball. It's like, well, no s, you know, like most people can't hit a curveball well. Like it, it just, but you can't over. Like he lost his location on his fastball, right? I mean, that became right. fastball location is always and will always be. And I'm a hitter. I'm saying it. Fastball location is always key. You can say velocity, fine. Location, location, location. And Aaron Nola lost that. So getting a Brian Price and maybe that mentality of, of attacking the zone with your best, I, I feel like that's nothing but good. Like, yeah, you said it. Why yeah. your butt with the analytics? They're great. They're awesome. Everyone has the same analytics. Not everyone has an Aaron Nola. Not everyone now has a Zach Wheeler as well. So it, it just go with your best. I, I think absolutely. And I think if, you know, coming in, if you're Zach Wheeler, like, you, you kind of know what you do well. I mean, you've been around in the division. You, you kind of understand guys' swings. The only thing that you don't want to do is, is to get to the Phillies and have, like, you know, this whole wave of, like, different kinds of analytics thrown at you. Like, hey, we've seen all these things, and how about we try this different approach? Because <laughs> he's finally got his feet underneath him last year, right? Like, yeah. he finally stayed healthy. He delivered. Everything looks smooth and great with his mechanics. You want to keep him right there. Let him do his thing. Don't overload him with with new numbers and a different way of approaching everything. Uh, and, and I think, again, you know, a guy like Brian Price, who's been there, he's a veteran guy. He understands that. He understands he's not going to reinvent the wheel with Zach Wheeler. In fact, all he's going to do is just make sure that Zach Wheeler is continuing to do what he has done the last year and a half now, which is go out there and be an elite pitcher and kind of make his way toward that ace in the staff. Well, let me ask you this. So, I mean, you, you watch plenty of just baseball in general. You watch the Phillies and everything. But then a guy like Zach Wheeler, it, he was on the radar of everyone. Like it, it, so you yeah. kind of tune in and you see everything. Uh, first half, Zach Wheeler to second half or and it's more or less like the august september uh zach wheeler was what we saw pretty much the entire 2018 season 
And it, I, I was wondering if off the top of your head, because you're brilliant and all this stuff, like, you know, like, what was the difference? Like, if you if you could pinpoint differences that made his first half different than his second half this year, what was it? Well, I mean, it's, it's hard with him because I didn't get to see every game, uh, you know, that Zach Wheeler was throwing. But I just think for me, um, when I'm watching him get out there and dominate, it's because he's locating his fastball away. And the only time I really kind of see him get in trouble, uh, you know, at least uh, last year, I guess, and more than uh, in previous years, because it seemed like a lot of times in previous years he'd get in trouble. But he was also always kind of nursing some type of injury, it mm-hmm. seemed like. So, you know, watching him in his first couple of years of his career, it's like, okay, is he healthy? Is he just going out there trying to, um, you know, make sure he stays healthy and be tentative? Uh, last year when he was doing great, he looked so confident and so healthy and he could just let that fastball away to right-handed hitters. He could just let it rip. Uh, he could go down in the zone. He could go up in the zone. And he was able to move it around, in my opinion, great. Now, he, he threw a lot of curveballs. He's also got a great slider. Uh, he's got put-away pitches for sure. But I think that's the difference. When he's going right, it's because of that fastball command for him. And I think just overall, in his mind, it seems to me like when he's healthy and he knows it, he is able to just get out there and, and just let it let, let, let the fastball eat. I mean, 98, 99, 100 I saw that's last year out of him. So, I mean, yeah, that feels pretty good to just get out there and blow 100. You threw 100? You know what well, it's I, like. I, I did for like a, a month maybe. It's all right. I, I you threw 100. You know what? You could, you could speak on that. I mean, there was there – was, there was, uh, I think 2004 was like the only year where I was able to get up there a couple times. And, I mean, you know, most of the time I was a, a mid-90s guy, but I could get up there a little bit. But, uh, you know, I mean, and that's when I was letting it eat and feeling great. And I can just tell you, I mean, when I felt healthy out there and I could let it go and, and have that command, I mean, you feel like, you know, you feel invincible out there. And, and that's the Zach Wheeler that I saw when he was going well is that, you know, he didn't worry about injury. He wasn't worrying about injuries. He wasn't worrying about his arm going to hurt anything. He was just rearing back and blowing that 100-mile-an-hour cheese on that outside corner. And I think, you know, look, his fastball, it, 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 the velocity tells you exactly where it is. But, but I also think, you know, when he's throwing his breaking balls over the plate for strikes uh, and then he finishes guys off with a high fastball, there's, there's just not much a hitter can do when you've got that many weapons. So I think, you know, look, obviously the Phillies saw it. Uh, a lot of teams saw it last year, and that's one of the reasons why his price went as high as it did this offseason. Well, I, I just like the fact that I'm going to see a lot of, like, 95-plus. You know, like yes. last year, we and it came out of the pen, and a lot of guys were hurt. I know that. But we saw a lot of 88 to 90s. I was like, we are back when I was playing. This is perfect. I can hit this guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you need to get back out there yeah. you know, if that's the case. <laughs> no, but, I mean, okay, it's so true. you look at numbers, and you could say juice ball and all that stuff. So throw that out. I mean, but the one thing that I, I – that was – blaring to me for a Zach Wheeler was 182 inning and a third innings last year 150 hits this year it was like what 196 or 195 one and uh 196 hits and it that's to me that's drastic I I don't know if it is for you because I it could be just base hits and all that stuff but lefties hit 275 off them this year and that that to me look there's a lot of good lefties in this in this division yeah and and that you know, kind of scares me a little bit, but I mean, it could be an adjustment thing. What, what, what do you think? Well, no, I think that's a, that is a relevant factor. Um, and, you know, he has to continue. I think the thing about Zach Wheeler is this. Everyone knows he's, the stuff's there. Uh, you know, we mentioned the fastball, getting up to 100. But you have to continue to evolve as a, as a great starting pitcher. All the tools are there for him to do it. 
And uh, I think, you know, for me, he's going to have to kind of figure out what his game plan is, you know, against lefties and how he wants to attack certain guys. I think for him, he's still, because of all the injuries he had, you know, you look at him, okay, he's a little bit older, he's a free agent, so he should be, you know, at this point, a veteran starting pitcher, but he's not really because he has not had all the innings that a lot of guys do typically going into free agency. So he is still learning the little nuances and subtleties of how to be that guy. I mean, he's been able to get away with incredible stuff and pretty good location so far in his career. But I don't think I've seen him go out there at least, you know, even even in 2018, but just not not really a ton yet and really kind of have that feel of a guy that's got, you know, 800 innings under his belt in the major leagues, 1,000 innings under their belt. And so I think that is still to come for him, and I think that's a good thing because as he learns to pitch, as he learns to know, you know, how to get around lefties and, and, and attack certain guys and, and his out pitches against those guys, and he has a decent idea of that, of course, but as he starts to really fine-tune that and, and watch a guy like Aaron Nola and how he gets out lefties, and I think he's going to get even better because worst-case scenario, you can always rear back and blow that 100-mile-an-hour fastball. He's got that in his back pocket, so uh, he just can, needs to continue to learn how, how to pitch out there. He's, he's, he's a young free agent. I mean, he's, he's a young one. He's yeah. 29 or whatever. He, he's a, he's very young in his age because the, the amount of innings he's pitched thus far in his career are nowhere near. I mean, he's pitched uh, 749 innings so far in his career. And, and that's just, I mean, honestly, that's just not a ton when you consider that his first year was 2013. You know, that's a, that's a seven year period. That's only averaging like a hundred innings a, a season. So uh, you, he's, he's, he's going to get to where he becomes a veteran pitcher, where he has that savvy when he's a Philly. And, and that's a good thing for the Phillies going forward. How about the fact that between Zach Wheeler and, and Madison Bumgarner, same age, uh, <laughs> a thousand innings difference going into free agency. Right? Wow. Bum's over like yeah. eight, he's at 1846, I think I read somewhere. And then, uh, uh, like you said, with the <laughs> only like mid 700s for, for Zach Wheeler. That's incredible. That's not a lot of bullets. I mean, he missed a couple of years. Yeah. We know that in 15 and 16. You know, due to uh, Tommy John and complications, all that stuff. But uh, I, I agree. I just think it's fresh. It's something that's can last. It is. It's it, it, it feels like something can last. Yeah, it, it does. And I think you know you have all these things going for him uh, going into this contract, and, and it's it's what again, in my opinion, makes it. You know, he he's a guy that's worthy of overpaying a little bit because. You know that that maturity from getting out there and getting those innings that's going to come around to for him. The uh, you know the the idea of what you're doing out there. You bring you know Brian Price will be able to kind of help tutor him on that. Uh, he doesn't have the tax. You know the, the stuff is there. Like there's all these factors going in for him, going into 2020 that that really for me you're you're giving a guy five years, but it's kind of like he's only 26, 27 in terms of what he's done out there and how fresh his arm is. So uh, I think the Phillies did a very good job again. You know, teams are smarter. Front offices should be smarter at this point. You know, a lot of times in the past, guys got paid because of what they did. Uh, and, and, you know, you sometimes you had to give them an extra year or two on that contract to get them. Uh, and you were worried about the tail end of it. I don't think the Phillies need to be worried about the tail end of this at all. And, you know, four years from now, we might end up saying, like, how is Zach Wheeler only getting, you know, X amount for 2000 and whatever, 24? Like, it might seem like an incredible bargain when this is all said and done. Yeah, I just – look, the only thing that scares me – from the signing of Zach Wheeler is Freddie Freeman. 14 for 29 off him, three doubles and two homes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, well, that's it. That, but yeah. see, that's a great example right there. I mean, that, that's it, Freddie, right? Like, when he learns how to pitch to uh, Freddie Freeman, which, by the way, Freeman owns. <laughs> Isn't he uh, awesome? Like, I'm sorry. Like, as being yeah. part of the Phillies and, and, and understanding that, but playing against Freddie for so long, he is incredible. 
That dude's oh, insane. he's so good. I just hated his approach when I fit. He was just <laughs> so dialed in. Like, I just, you know, I never felt great against him. But, you know, look, there are certain pitchers that know how to get after him, that, that know how to find that weak spot for him. And obviously, Zach Wheeler just hasn't found that yet. But that means, look, I mean, the guy's been doing great, and he's been giving up, uh, you know, a ton to Freddie Freeman. Once he figures out, hey, maybe I just pitch around this guy, or maybe I attack someone else, or – Maybe there's a certain spot I can go to that I haven't learned that once they haven't learned yet. Once he learns that uh, with, with guys like Freddie Freeman, to your point, you know, lefties hit these. Once he figures that out with certain guys, then this guy's going to be the limit for him. Because I look, I mean, I got a chance to play with so many. Uh, you know, I was very fortunate to play with a lot of Hall of Fame starting pitchers in my career. Righties that had great stuff from Clemens and Oswald to Pedro Martinez and obviously Doc Holliday and everybody else. I, the one thing I saw is that they became masters of pitching around certain guys that sometimes it just didn't work out for them. And so, you know, Zach Wheeler's going to have that maturing process and that understanding process as he continues to pitch. And, and he's going to become a veteran pitcher with incredible stuff while he's a Philly. That's awesome. I mean, it's Brad Lidge right here on Pine Tar for Breakfast at Kevin Franzen. You can hear Brad Lidge on MLB Network Radio 209. So more with. The closer. Well, I, I, I think you say it perfect. And to me, this division is only going to continue to get better. I don't care if Strasburg's out, if he ends up you know, leaving, or, or Anthony Rendon. This continues to be a division where, look, there's high-powered offenses, but the amount of pitching in this division is sickening. Uh, starting pitching. Let's just yeah. even go there, the starting pitching. And you can throw yeah. even the Marlins in there. I don't care. They got – they always have dudes. I know they're not great, <laughs> they do. but they got dudes, and they, they're going to continue to come at you and, and all that. So, uh, look, the Braves signed Cole Hamels Day, one year, $18 million. Uh, Seems pretty reasonable. Seems like the right thing for, for Cole. Um, but can you, like, just uh, just a little bit of your take on just the division in itself? And, look, yeah. it's the beginning of the offseason. There's still plenty of moves to be made, but the Braves, I mean, you got Chris Martin re-signed. Will Smith came over. Uh, you got Melanson, you got Shane Green, and now you add in a Cole Hamels on that starting staff. What do you see now? Yeah, I, I mean, look, the Braves are in a great place. <laughs> there, there's nothing, you know, there's no, nothing else that you could possibly say other than the Braves are getting the job done this offseason in, in a way that nobody else is. And I think, you know, we, we said the Phillies have a lot of pressure taken off them before these winter meetings started. How about the Braves? Like, pretty much the only thing they could do, I mean, if they were to bring back Josh Donaldson, say, and I know maybe the Phillies – would like to have a guy like Donaldson too, but if the Braves were able to bring him back here in the next week or two, they could be done for the whole offseason and have loaded up and be better for 2020. So they've really kind of identified the targets. You know, we mentioned the bullpen. They identified, hey, listen, we want Will Smith. He's the guy that uh, is going to make us better, uh, you know, right away. Let's just go get him. Let's not worry about the rest of the market. Let's not worry about how things play out. Let's go get our guys. You know, Dallas Keiko leaves. We need to replace him with another veteran lefty. Let's get Hamels. Let's not worry about the market. Let's just go right for him. So the Braves have done a great job uh, in, in identifying the pieces that they need and, and bring him in right away. It takes a ton of pressure off of them for the rest of the offseason, but it also, to your point, makes the NL East even tougher. And we'll see what happens with Strauss. I mean, I look, the, the one thing I would say is that the Nationals, are, they have a tough task ahead of them in 2020 because – World Series hangover, that's kind of a real thing. Uh, you know, you can ask the Red Sox about that. And I think, cool. uh, you know, if, if uh, Rendon leaves and if there's that chance that Strasburg does not sign back either, 
the, the Nationals have a chance of having a little free fall in this division because I think the Mets will be better. I believe the Braves are going to be right back to where they were. So, And, and we know the Phillies are going to be better. They can't have any worse luck with injuries. So um, so it's going to be a very tough division. And, and the Nationals better mind their P's and Q's or they could find themselves uh, you know, in fourth place in this division next yeah, year. Yeah, I mean, because it made sense last year when you know Bryce signs back with the Phillies, or doesn't sign back, but he signs with the Phillies. You know, the, the whole narrative is like, oh, well, they're better without him. They weren't better without him, but they had pieces to and multiple pieces to replace him. It wasn't one guy replaced yeah. him. They had multiple, you know, guys like Anthony Rendon. They don't have multiple guys to replace him. No, they like, don't. So it's not like, oh, well, see, like it was a bigger loss losing Anthony. It, it, it technically is, but it's it's not just because of the person. It's because of what they have behind them. And. For me, I mean, that's like the Phillies franchise in general. Is like, do you have guys, you know, when if guys go down, that that to me is the biggest need for the Phillies is supplementing these major league, you know, the, the major league roster with some really good young talent in the minor leagues to come up and be able to do stuff. Yeah, no, I mean, no question about it. You know, the Phillies need to have, uh, you know, guys. And obviously there's a couple down there that should be ready to contribute and, and do some good stuff for the Phillies, even in 2020. Um, but when you don't, you know, when, when you end up signing, you know, great players at the top, like a Zach Wheeler, now you don't have to rush those other guys that may not be ready, uh, you know, to jump in the rotation or, or whatever. So I, you know, yeah, the, 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 the nationals absolutely, uh, to your point, like they have some guys that were ready to get in there and Soto, obviously, okay. He could replace Bryce, I guess he gets ready to step in the spotlight, but you lose Rendon and, and they really don't have you know, that guy in the lineup that all of a sudden is, is a difference maker night in and night out that has that approach that kind of has that patience and, and that, you know, that patience that he has kind of uh, is just gets distributed through the rest of the lineup. If he goes, they're going to have a tough season this year, I think, offensively. And I, I have to say, I don't think he's going back. So uh, I think it's going to be a challenge for the Nationals in 2020. No doubt. No doubt. All right. So with all that being said, it's a great day for Zach Wheeler and everything. But I have Brad Lidge on. And uh, you need to play waffle or not, okay? You want to play waffle or not on pine tar for breakfast? Let's let's do it. Yes. All right. So this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna throw out a name. It's gonna be a player, and uh, you gotta tell me: Did he waffle you, or did he not? <laughs> okay. Okay. I don't want any humbleness right. on this whole thing. This is like I got L.A. and I got Larry Boa going on it. It was awesome. <laughs> that sounds. L.A. story. Be like, oh no, that guy owned me and stuff. I'd be like, L.A., you dominated his ass. All right, so this is what's <sighs> okay. going to happen. I'm going to throw the name out, and I need to know. Uh, let's start okay. out with Albert Pujols. Um, I would say that, yeah, like I, I'm trying to. I mean, obviously, postseason aside, I, I feel like he probably hit over 300 off me, but maybe somewhere right around 300. So for him, I don't know if he waffled me. For him, I think he just was, you know, Albert Pujols against me. Yeah, I'm going to go. He waffled you. He had a 965 <laughs> okay. OPS. Oh well, he, he yeah. was pretty good. Yeah, A Rod, A Rod, A Rod waffled me. He waffled me. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, uh, four for five, three doubles, a homer. <laughs> oh my gosh, I didn't know it was that bad. Yeah. Yikes, Derek Lee. Yikes. Derek Lee. Oh, I waffled Derek Lee. Oh, you crushed him. He had no chance. One for fifteen, seven punchies. Ooh, that that was that that felt good. That matchup just felt right for myself. Well, I was gonna say, was it a guy because he was so he was so long in that down and away slider for you? Just like it, it might be the one pitch he could not get to. I guess so. You know, I mean, you mentioned a Rod and Pujols. I, I always felt like 
they saw my slider decently. And, and Derek Lee, I, he was a great hitter, but he just, you know, I had a chance to talk to him one day, and he just told me, he's like, I'm just not seeing the spin on it. And I was like, you should not have told me that because that's all you're going to get now <laughs> is a healthy diet of sliders. So, you're like, right, that's you. all I'm going to throw? And then you tip your cap at him, and you're like, oh, my bad. Sorry about it. Okay, yeah. I'm going to throw another one out there. Uh, let's go uh, Andrew Jones. Andrew Jones. I think I got him. Huh, you think? I, I need I, to know, Did you, do you think or you know? Uh, well, I don't remember him getting any big hits off me, and I know well, I because he never got a hit off you. He was zero for twelve okay. with seven punchies. Okay, well, suck on that, Andrew Jones. Yeah, I'll take yeah, that. Enjoy that, uh, Scott Rowland. Oh, I got Scott Rowland. Oh, for sure. yes, you did. I love this. This is fun because you dominate so many people. It's like, okay, I know your career. I was in the other dugout many times when you're out there and, and doing stuff, so I saw it. Never faced you. I had to look it up. But then you you break it down by player, and you're like, damn, you own some of these guys. This is so much fun. Yeah, two for 17, Scott Rowland with 11 punch outs. Um, mm. All right, I'm going to throw a weird one out there for you. Okay. But uh, Kevin Kuzminov. Oh, I, I do not like Kevin Kuzminov. I remember, I remember bad things. That is a weird one to throw yeah. out there, but I remember bad things with him. I know he got. He, I know he hit a bomb off me. Maybe Three even for five. two, two, two bombs. Uh, he shot you twice. Yeah. Well, and in yeah. the reason, like I, I played against him in college and everything, so I, the dude could mash, but he could hit a slider, and it's like there you go. It, it, he could foul off a fastball, look good on it. And you're like, oh, I got him, and he's like waiting for that slider, and he gets it. Yeah, you know, I mean, for me, like you know, certain guys didn't see my slider. Certain guys saw it better. But like a lot of times, even guys that saw it, they would they, they would foul it off. But then there's the hitters that wouldn't foul it off. Then there's the guys that like I see it well, and I'm gonna tattoo it 450 feet. And yeah, Kuzminov, just one of those dudes. I had yeah. nothing for him. What could I say? All right, I got two more for you. Yeah, Adam Dunn. Adam Dunn definitely shot me once or twice. Only I know once. That. Only once. I think so I had did a bunch he waffle of you or not? I'm going to say not. No, no chance. He, he had, like, my OPS in life against you. So, <laughs> okay. yeah, he definitely didn't waffle you. Okay. Okay, that Four makes me 20. feel bad. One bomb. Four That's for it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll uh, take it. The last one's my favorite one. Mike Cameron, the best-dressed oh, baseball player yeah. in the history of baseball players. Mike Cameron's such a good guy, but I, I will tell you this much. If I saw him <laughs> on deck and there was guys on base – I was pitching around the dude so that I could pitch to Mike Cameron. I waffled Mike Cameron. I mean, this is like one of those ones where you look up and you're going. (laughs) 13 plate appearances. He had 13 at bats. He had zeros across the board, except for the strikeout column, which was 10. He struck out 10 times in 13 at bats with zero hits. Like, oh, that's man. incredible. Hey, listen, I, I really appreciate you. You, you know, you kind of started off a little difficult, and then you eased it up on me at the end. I, well, that's I what I like really, to do. I, that, I you know, now that. I'm walking out of the house with my chest puffed up. So well, thank yeah, you I mean, that's what well. you should. Okay, so here – actually, you know what? <laughs> I take that – oh, no, no, no. It, it does count your postseason. So you got him in the postseason in 2008. Uh, okay. But in 2007, you faced him once, and, and he, like, just rolled over or whatever. Maybe he flew out. I don't know. But I could sense the fact that up until that point, he was 0 for 7, 7 punch outs. <laughs> like, 
he had to have been like he might have popped up and and it might have been in foul territory. He was probably yelling down the line like, "Woohoo! I did it!" <laughs> Woo! I yeah, I I just I'll tell you, love the guy because he's a super great dude. I just uh, um, you know yeah, like like you said, there's uh, uh, it was it was just a good matchup for my slider. He, he didn't see the spin. That's all. I, that's all I know. He just didn't see the spin. And all I know is that you're probably the most incredible guest that I've had on this and I uh, on Pintar for Breakfast, the podcast of the Phillies. I appreciate it, Brad. Friend, it is a lot of fun, man. We'll have to do this again. Uh, yeah. Okay, so mark it down. You said it. I got it. And it's recorded here. <laughs> you are coming Lock on it again. In. Maybe this offseason if they sign another pitcher or anything. Hey, I don't care. You know how to find me, man. I do. Brad Lidge, you're the man. Friend, it was a lot of fun. Take care, buddy. Thanks, dude. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.